Morning comes from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 12. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about anything, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, yet your Father feeds them. And can any of you, by worrying, add an hour to the span of your life? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown in the oven, how much more will God clothe you? And Don't keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink. And do not keep worrying. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So last week I told you about Cardinal Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Tuan, who became Archbishop of Saigon, six days before the city fell to the communists, and who then spent the next 13 years in a Vietnamese prison, nine of them in solitary confinement. And I told you that he was something of a problematic prisoner for the warden because he kept converting his prison guards to Christianity. And so the warden would keep changing out these guards in swift rotation so that he wouldn't have the time to convince them that Jesus was better than Mao or Stalin. And he says he did this by talking not about Jesus' virtues, but about Jesus' defects, Jesus' character flaws, if you will. He had a terrible memory. He was bad at math. He had no common sense. And look at this, right? He was a little impractical too, yes? Consider. Consider the passage I just read. Consider this. Consider the raven, says Jesus. They neither sow nor reap, and yet God feeds them. Consider the lilies. They neither toil nor spin. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed as one of these. I saw about a hundred of you at New Trier High School Friday night for this splendid production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Stunning production. So much talent. A bunch of us went a couple of years ago when Lyric Opera did did Jesus Christ Superstar. And I can't really decide between these two productions which is more moving. Splendid orchestra. By the way, did you know that both Jesus and Mary Magdalene are sons and daughters of this church? Jim and Bonnie McCall's grandson James was Jesus. Evie Wigdale, Mary Magdalene. Um, John Hanold was in it, uh, Lizzie Embry. If you see these kids, thank them and congratulate them. So if you saw a superstar at the Lyric or at New Trier High School, you heard Jesus proclaim this passage that I just read, consider the ravens, consider the lilies. We should slow down a little and pay attention to the heartbreaking loveliness of God's leaping, flying, diving, blooming, growing, thriving zoo of flora and fauna. Worry kills. Stress disables. Worry does not work. 
But then Jesus goes on. Don't worry about anything, he says. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Well, sure, he can say that. He didn't have two kids, a golden retriever, and a mortgage. What about the Beneful? What about the tuition at the University of Michigan, which is not cheap, I can tell you, for out-of-state residents? Consider the ravens, says Jesus. Well, yes, we should. But consider the hawk coasting on those drafts of air up in the heights, relentlessly seeking dinner. Consider the great blue heron standing motionless on one leg in the shallows, trying to find fish and chips for her children. Consider the seagulls with their relentless cry, mine, mine, mine. Consider the hummingbird, says Brian Doyle. Told you many times about Brian Doyle before. He's one of my heroes. For 25 years, he was the editor at Portland Magazine, the University of Portland College Journal, one of the greatest in the land. He did this for 25 years until he died at the age of 60 of a brain tumor in 2017. After he was gone, his wife and his friends gathered his essays from the far corners of the literary world and collected them together in this wonderful new book called One Long River of Song. Isn't that a wonderful title? One Long River of Song. Brian's book is One Long River of Song. Brian's life was One Long River of Song. Consider the hummingbird, he says. Its heart is the size of a pencil eraser. It beats ten times a second too fast for us to hear. You can dive at 60 miles an hour. They can fly backward. They can fly 500 miles without resting. They visit, everyone, they visit 1,000 flowers a day. But flying is expensive. You melt the machine, you burn out the engine, you fry yourself out. Hummingbirds have more aneurysms and heart attack than any other creature on earth. They work so hard. Jesus was very selective in which bird he chose to get his point across. But he does have a point, doesn't he? There's a great article in the New Yorker some time ago now about the ever-lengthening commute Americans undertake to get to work these days as Housing prices climb. People drive further and further from New York and Chicago to find a place they can afford. Yes, real estate agents have a phrase they like to use, drive until you qualify. That is to say, drive as far from New York or Chicago as you can so that you can get a house that meets your expectations but whose mortgage you qualify for. My wife and I haven't decided yet where we're going to retire, but both of my kids married Greenwich High School classmates, so it's likely that at least one of them will end up back in Greenwich, where I can't afford to live. But I have this fantasy that there's a little rust bucket, broken down, working class town that nobody else wants, not far from the Atlantic, maybe in Rhode Island, equidistant from Boston and New York, so people can't commute to either of those places and I can find a mortgage that I can qualify for in that place. That's my fantasy. There's a problem, however, because we don't always make rational choices when we make these decisions. We seem to choose material goods over intangible goods. That is to say, we choose the bigger paycheck and the nicer house 
over exercise, fun time with the children, sleep. A while back, the muffler people at Midas held a contest for the most extreme commute. A guy from California won. Four and a half hour, 372 mile round trip commute to his job in San Jose. A legal secretary in Manhattan lives in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. If you know your Northeastern geography, you know that means she drives clear across the state of New Jersey, or buses, clear across the state of New Jersey to get to her job in Manhattan. She leaves the house at 4.30 a.m. and returns at 9 o'clock, walks the dogs, eats a pizza, and goes to bed. Bigger paycheck, nicer house, harder life. Fewer soccer games with the kids. Maybe these are the kind of folk Jesus is talking to in this lesson. Maybe he's talking to you. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your existence? Can any of you, by driving an extra hour, make yourselves any happier? Probably not. My son spent a semester abroad when he was in college in Florence, and so my wife and I went to visit. She wanted to go to Venice. That was not high on my list. Years ago, the New Yorker sent Robert Benchley on assignment in Venice, and the minute he got there, he cabled right away back to the magazine, said, streets full of water, stop, advise, stop. That's the way I felt about this place. But the instant I exited the train station onto the Grand Canal, I realized that I had severely underestimated this saturated city. And so one night at the end of a perfect shining early spring day, my wife and I went to a concert at the Chiesa San Vidal. Chiesa San Vidal is a deconsecrated church, which means that it's not holy anymore. Can't have any worship services and a deconsecrated church, only concerts for tourists. And so this one night we went to a concert with Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Surely you know it. Vivaldi was born in Venice, of course, and started his musical career there at, a, at an orphanage called Ospedale della Pietà, the Hospital of Mercy, where they taught a trade to orphaned boys and where Vivaldi himself taught unwanted girls how to play the violin. You might be an orphan, but you get Vivaldi as a violin teacher. You could do worse. And so the artisans who hammered that pile together, Chiesa uh, San Vidal, didn't use any sheetrock or carpet in that place, so the acoustics are magnificent. The musicians were top-rate. They were all beautiful, 20-something men and women, dressed from head to toe in black. And the men all looked like Leonardo DiCaprio or John Bon Jovi when he was still a rock star. Can you hear the Four Seasons? The singing birds, the laughing streams, the barking dogs, the thawing ice, the singing shepherds, the crackling fires, the silent snow. We sat in the first row. We sat so close we could have shined the shoes of the cellist. And 12 feet to my left in the transept were four striking 60-something women. And one of them caught my eye, not just because of her striking headscarf, 
but also because her exclamations were just a little too enthusiastic. Every season got a standing ovation from this woman, including one right in the middle of summer. I leaned over, over to my wife and I whispered, look, there's the first violinist's mom. <laughs> but then at the intermission, I noticed that her headscarf was camouflaging a very bad hair day. That is to say, she didn't have any. And I decided it wasn't the first violinist's mother. She was just celebrating life. Maybe she was celebrating life because she didn't have much of it left to live. Or maybe she was celebrating life because she'd gotten a second chance. More days, more months, more years. There she was in the autumn of her life, verging on winter, on a perfect spring day, hoping for the fecundity of summer, listening to Vivaldi's masterpiece, just a short gondola ride from where he taught unwanted girls to play the violin. I don't know where she was from. I couldn't hear what language she was speaking. I just heard Italian words. Bravo, she cried. Brava. Bravi. To life. To living. To the unmerited gift of just being here to see and hear this thing. These seasons. Chiesa San Vidal is a deconsecrated church. It's been decommissioned. No worship services. It's not holy anymore. But on the night of that concert, her enthusiastic praise reconsecrated that holy place for me. She reminded me that birth is gift and life windfall. And just to be here is sheer grace. Consider the ravens. Consider the lilies. Consider the seasons. Consider Vivaldi. Consider, and maybe your life one day too, will be one long river of song. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.